Hi, I'm Clara, and this is Carmen, and this is the Practice with Clara podcast, where we go into philosophy and all things yoga-related, which has been my passion for the last 20 years. Yes. This, uh, episode, this week's episode is all about morning practice, poses and breath work you can do. We also go into the last teacher training we just wrapped up, and Zoom yoga. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. See you later. Great. Welcome, everyone, to the Practice with Clara podcast. You're sitting with Stephanie. And Clara. For today's episode on the morning series. So I thought I would hand it over to Clara to talk a little bit about uh, why practice yoga in the morning. Why would you get up and do yoga? Isn't that um, the traditional way that you would practice is getting up and doing Surya Namaskar with the sun? Okay, so a lot of practices, not even just the yoga practice, but a lot of meditation practices and a lot of spiritual practices generally happen between 4 and 6 a.m. And the reason being is that it is said that the veil between what can be seen and what cannot be seen, so that which is um, divine or spiritual or kind of like the esoteric the veil between the exoteric, the esoteric, meaning the tangible and the, um, the theoretical, let's say, uh, is very, very thin. And so we like to practice or people like to practice early in the morning in order to uh, kind of connect to, it's a, it's a faster way to connect to um, the great spirit, however you want to insert word of choice, God, divine, what have you. And so um, we generally get up early in the morning and practice and also the other reason around that is because it's the first thing in the morning, you don't have the, you're not bogged down by your day. So your own filter in terms of your mind is a lot clearer. And so um, you sh arrive usually a bit more clear and you're able to kind of feel and experience more clear. And then the last reason why is generally the rest of the world is still sleeping. And so you're kind of connecting to that quiet time kind of, uh, you know, as the sun begins to rise, it's like that idea of connecting to the potential of the day. I'm adding my own interpretation to this, but that's the way that I would say, that's what I would recommend or say about that. And um, as Steph, you were just saying, in terms of the Surya Namaskars, uh, at least in the Hatha Yoga tradition, we do Surya Namaskars first thing in the morning, Surya being sun and Namaskar, same root as Namaste, uh, is uh, may I recognize and honor thee. So as the sun begins to rise, we do sun salutations, which literally is honoring the cycles of the sun, the sun rising, right, coming down. Um, as we, as we, I was just doing motions with my hands, arms overhead would be the sun rising. And so we're honoring the aspects of the, of the sun. And then last but not least around that, in terms of the city of Namaskars, it's also one of my uh, teacher friends translates uh, Surya Namaskar as not only the sun out, out, in, out that we see, the ball of light, that gives us life, but also the ball of light that lives inside of us. So the key of um, the sun or the seed that lives inside of us that gives us inspiration, connects us to divinity. That's beautiful. That last piece about the sun inside, I love that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then that being said, I rarely practice that early in the morning. Um, people always ask me that. I generally when I teach my morning intensives, that's the time that I get up and do it. But on a regular basis, I'm definitely not a person who rises at 4 a.m. unless I need to. But I like to do it first thing in the morning. But I'm okay to wake up between 6 and 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and then you, Steph, are you a morning practitioner? 
I love uh, being up early, but not practicing early, just because I like sitting in, you mentioned the veil, I love that metaphor. I kind of like living in that veil for the first couple of hours of the day. Mm. I find it's when I'm most creative. And if I exercise, I, I break it through sweating, mm. into mm -hmm. energy, shifts me psychologically. So I practice later in the day. And so what, what does your morning sadhana look like then? Um, I like to met maybe meditate isn't like, yeah, meditate. Usually I'll do like a restorative pose, depending on how my body is something to mm -hmm. open my, my chest. If my back's tight, which it usually is from sitting or my legs up the wall to ground. If I wake up feeling kind of anxious and out of sorts, which this summer I've been feeling that a lot, I think just with the buoyant energy, yes. um, or being outside, if it, if the weather permits, I'll go outside and just kind of hang out by the ocean or in the trees if if that's available to me. Because mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys know our listeners, but Steph lives on a boat, so <laughs> so walking outside is is just literally a one two one two. Yeah, and then you're already outside. That's the only other reason I'm not doing yoga in the morning currently, but I wasn't before anyway. So yeah. Um, and the reason we're, we're kind of talking about practice in the morning for our listeners is Clara just hosted um, the second module of the 300 hours. So we were together for 10 days, getting up, not at 4 a.m., around uh, 6 a.m., practicing from 7 to 9. Uh, and it was wonderful to dip into a practice with community for two hours every morning. So I thought that would kind of center our discussion today in why we practice in the morning, what are some of the poses and things you would stimulate in the morning, Clara, as opposed to the evening? Mm -hmm. And then if we have time, we'll go over a little bit of our, our training together. So um, I love, I, I would say that teaching early in the morning is probably my favorite time. Um, and because I'm quiet and everybody else is quiet and the world is quiet. And so uh, how I generally recommend starting the practice is uh, to sit quietly. And so that's what we did every morning. We sat quietly together for at least between five and 10 minutes and kind of just allowed ourselves to arrive uh, together. And that being said, we were on Zoom. So this, <laughs> this second module, because of uh, this little thing called the pandemic, um, we, uh, we're, we're online for it. So it was an interesting, I've never led morning practice online. So that was really interesting. Um, so we would sit together and then I usually like to start with mantra meditation. It warms up, uh, it warms up the voice, but more so than that is it warms up the breath. Mantra is a pranayama practice. And so uh, we would do mantra together. And then, um, yeah, generally I always start with the Surya Namaskars, especially early in the morning. It's a wonderful way to warm up the body. And so if you don't have a ton of time in the morning and you're like, what, what should I do? I would personally recommend Surya Namaskars, gets the blood flowing and kind of starts the circulation, starts digestive digestion. So I would, I would recommend that. So if you didn't have a ton of time in the morning, cause I feel like that is a question that show, arrives a lot on the practice with Clara um, site in terms of requests, our short morning practices is do a couple of Surya Namaskars, do a back bend or two, um, do a bit of hip opening, a forward fold, an inversion if you have choice, and then lie down in Shavasana. And you could do all of that in about 20 minutes. And so that would, be, that would be what I would recommend in the morning. And nothing too complicated. Always try to keep it, I think, personally, first thing in the morning, fairly simple. And so the same thing, like when we did the practices, the first like 20 minutes were fairly simple. And then I would get 
fairly complicated depending upon the peak pose. And then ending with meditation. I love, that's, that's the one thing I do try to do. I haven't since we've um, had our baby, but we used to get up every single morning and the first thing we did was meditate because it's such a wonderful time to meditate. And especially if you've been moved your body and then come into it, it's like, it's yummy. And Clara, can you talk a little bit then on that? You mentioned backbends. So in, in the morning, you want to do more backbending as opposed to for say like a late evening class. Yes. Yes. That was the second. I was like trying to remember the second part of your question. So the second part of that question, <laughs> right, which you brought in, thanks, Steph, is uh, poses to do in the morning versus in the evening. Um, you can. Yeah. So we recommend that generally you do a lot more stimulating backbends in the morning because you're trying to stimulate yourself to, to wake up. And generally in the evening, um, the closer you are to bedtime, the less stimulating you want to you want to be in terms of backbends. Backbends are generally very energizing. So you could do, you could absolutely still do backbends in the evening. You would just either do a longer um, cool down, right? Or not as many backbends, but definitely in the morning, you know, um, depending upon how open you're feeling, bow pose would be really good. Camel or bridge or wheel, pretty much all of them are great because they open up the chest and prepare us, especially those of us who work at desks and or drive and or rock children all day. Um, all of those reasons, our chests get quite tight. So I, I would recommend backbends every day. The other thing that I would recommend in the morning uh, in terms of pranayama practices would be like Kapalabhati breath, skull shining breath, sharp exhale out of the nose. If I do it out of my mouth, it would sound like this. And so sharp exhales in the morning are really good. We generally don't do them in the evening or you don't do it at the end of the practice in the evening because again it is very energizing nadi shodhana alternate nostril breathing would be a great practice to do at night before going to bed so those would be kind of the differences in terms of pranayama practices and backbends between evening and night so when you're theming your intensives clara um, and maybe go into a little bit about what that offering is for our listeners talk about how you theme the five days um, and what kind of things you build around in terms of the meditation mantra and physical asana poses. Mm -hmm. So uh, what Steph's bringing up is, is what I labeled the morning intensives, which Steph has done so many with, so it's been a joy uh, to have you. I've probably been teaching them for about 14 years, mm, 2008, so 12 years, 12 years. Um, and it is a, it is a morning practice that used to be done over a, the course of a month. I don't know if you ever experienced that with us, but we used to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday for a month. And then um, people were having a hard time committing to a month. So we started making it seven days, Monday to Sunday, and then people had a hard time with that. So then we went down to five days. So now my morning intensives are generally every other month and we do um, five days. And uh, what we usually do in that is it's a it's either a two hour or two and a half hour practice, depending upon whether or not I can get people up early enough. Generally it's a two hour practice. And so we do, yeah, we do the meditation mantra, the asana practice, and then the meditation to kind of round it up. And I always have a book that anchors the practice. And I've really, why I created the morning intensives is because when I teach uh, open level classes or you teach drop-in classes, people are coming and going. So it's not like we can necessarily build together. And what I love doing is building um, and so when you join the morning intensive, you join for all five days, you can't drop in. It's like you show up and then, um, we build on a theme based on a book. So every morning my theme would be from the book. So I generally read a passage from the book and then I kind of base the 
the physical practice around that theme. And then usually on the Friday night, because we do Monday to Friday uh, or Friday morning, depending, uh, we do book club. And so if you have read the book or not read the book, we come and we, we have this opportunity to discuss. And my big vision around that is I really wanted to build more community that wasn't necessarily a drop-in. It was we're dedicated to being together and not necessarily yoga teachers because I teach teacher training for that reason. But for, uh, for those of us who are students who are quote unquote serious students, um, it's an opportunity for us to be together, learn together and, uh, and build community. And go deeper. There's uh, one thing I, I appreciate about the intensives is because they're two hours long, you get that full uh, spectrum of the meditation mantra yoga that you don't typically typically get in just a, even a 90 minute class. It's nice to have two hours to build towards a peak pose. And we would do partner work and other different kind of things within the practice that really let you go into it with yourself and those those around you. Can yeah, you- those who are committed to the to the to being there together. Um, the other part of that uh, is that I would generally always have a journaling question. So at the end of practice, if you were somebody who cared to journal because you didn't have to, I would uh, ask questions that you would have the opportunity to write and reflect on. And so building on um, building on the practice, essentially, it kind of taking it what I would call, quote unquote, to the next level in terms of generally most of us arrive to the physical practice And then as we do more and more yoga, we start to ask bigger questions if we haven't already. Some people definitely arrive asking the bigger questions. But then we the the idea is to kind of bring the physical bent of the practice into it. And for me, the the physical, not physical, the philosophical bent on it, excuse me. Uh, And the idea of the philosophical part of it is to ask like the biggest questions of why am I here? What am I meant to be doing here? What is divinity? Um, how do I connect to other people? You know, just some very light questions for 8.30 in the morning. Uh, (laughs) But ones I think that generally, if you're doing self-inquiry, you're asking these questions. And so having this opportunity to, to be together and to talk about it. So on that last day, when we come together, it's also an opportunity for us to share our own reflections of what was the experience of the practice like. And then sharing it with each other and hearing other people always gives, at least for me, I always learn from them because we may be similar in a lot of ways, but we, we, all, we all have differences. And so learning from those differences is such a, a beautiful gift. And Clara, what you've just said reminded me of the uh, four pillars in Hindu philosophy, Artha, Kama, Dharma, Moksha. Yeah. Right? So- yes. Speak a little, because your questions are around the four pillars, and that is introducing the philosophy. So elaborate a little bit on each, each one, if you could. Okay, so all Indian philosophy is based on these, essentially these four aspects of life that Steph brought up. And so every philosophy um, touches on these questions, and the, or touches touch it. Every, every um, philosophy essentially deals with one of these aspects of life. And so the first one is um, your kama, which is, or not the first one, it's the first one that I'm thinking of for this morning, which is um, kama being pleasure. So how do you find pleasure in life? What brings you pleasure? What gives you joy? So that would be one of the ones. The other one is artha. Artha is how you make money or how, if you're a householder, like how are you um, 
bringing in material, material wealth and or just uh, living in the material world. Um, the next one is your karma, or excuse me, your dharma. And your dharma is how, it, dharma has many translations, but this one is how you um, contribute to your community. So your artha and your dharma could be one and the same, meaning how you make money could be the way that you're contributing to your community, or it could be two separate things, okay? So how do you contribute to a community? How do you find pleasure, right? And how do you make money and or how do you um, occur material, material, um, material things. And then the last one, which is the one that we focus on as yogis uh, together, when we come together is moksha, which is spiritual liberation. So what's your spiritual practice like? And so those are the four aspects of that of life that we deal with as householders. And so um, now I forgot, I got into it and then I forgot the question that you asked. Sorry, Steph. That was the question I asked is okay. what, just what they are. Um, okay. And that was a great description of each one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've slept like maybe, I don't know, like two and a half hours uh, oh. last night. So my, I'm, I'm with you, but it, I'm just, I'm moving at a different pace. You're with so. me. You're, you're in it. <laughs> so on the note of your intensives, yes. uh, as we shift into the conversation about the teacher training, uh, would you ever think about doing the intensives through Zoom considering the I have cool yeah. So, so it's, so, um, so the module that Steph and I just uh, were in together was a 10 day module and I led practice every morning um, from seven to nine. And I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it because I've led like one or two classes on zoom, but pretty much I either lead it in person or, you know, I do the pre-recorded classes. So I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. And it still felt amazing. Like it was definitely not optimal, but I felt very fed. I felt very fed from, from being together. And I felt like we, I felt like everybody was fed from it because we would have a sharing circle after every class. And I think we all appreciated it. So I actually have been like, Oh, maybe I'll, I put it out to my husband. Like maybe I'll lead these intensives online just so that we can, yeah, we can come together even if we can't be physically together. I wanted to ask you in terms of being in the morning intensives in physical, the physical world, and then being together on Zoom, um, what was that experience like for you as a practitioner? I uh, quite enjoyed the Zoom sessions in the way that you hosted them because you were really with us. You sat and watched us practice. You weren't doing the class with us and you don't in uh, the classroom anyway when we're together but yes. the way i've seen zoom taught yoga taught on zoom is that the teacher leads the class by doing which changes the energy and the way you're cueing and holding space for students mm -hmm. so i i loved the morning practices i loved being able to um stay in my own space and not have to commute anywhere and just a piece of feedback because i've done I've done a lot of your teacher trainings and we did one in Hawaii where we all went there together, slept in the same area. The last one we did was in Vancouver, but everyone slept at their own accommodation. So we yes. had a transit every day. And then this one was on Zoom where everyone's in their home. And I really prefer uh, either being in the retreat center together or Zoom because the anxiety that mm -hmm. like waking up on time and getting to class and then breaking the bubble with just driving or being on the bus leaving yes. for me, like I was able to create more of a container for this 
uh, module together on Zoom, it surprised me how contained and supported and immersive it was, um, given that it was all online. So that was that was really cool to have felt yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. I felt this, I felt the exact same. I was wondering how it was going to be, but I think that I think it worked. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Same, <laughs> and pleasantly I pleasantly surprised. Like going forward. Uh, for myself, if I do lead anything or go to anything, to be there either physically with the group or to be online, but to have kind of the in-between, yes. it wouldn't be ideal for me just because it, it was really, and the other thing that I did uh, in the training was I kind of set some of my own personal go goals where I was like, okay, if I'm getting up early and I'm committing to this, mm -hmm. I'm going to create my own, not sadhana, but kind of... Um, practice for myself that I can, mm -hmm. like I gave up drinking coffee and I've been oh. kind of trying, I know. <laughs> Good for you. But I've, and I've been like battling this for a year, but I finally, I did it during the training. Cause I was like, all right, 10 days in yoga training. I'm going to set up my environment in a way that serves yes. and tackle some of these other little things that I've wanted to. And you know, I don't think I could have done it had I been getting up putting myself in a place, right? there's anxiety for me around yes. that. Like, will yeah. I miss my alarm? Will I, yes. what have you? Are you still coffee free? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so impressed. Well done. Well done. Thank you. For our yeah. listeners, I was like a double Americano multiple times a day. Very serious coffee drinker. Yeah. Very serious coffee drinker. Despite my Ayurvedic doctor and my acupuncturist being like, your tongue is yellow. You should not drink coffee. It doesn't agree with your constitution. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, you're here. Are you, have you, uh, are you drinking anything else like black tea or green tea or any? I'm, do, I'm doing tea right now. Yeah. My, my ultimate is to be off all caffeine just because I do feel a little anxious and also yes. dark chocolate I'm noticing too mm -hmm. is not, but I love dark chocolate. I know. But it's just observe, like, and I don't think I would have come to this awareness had I not, um, being in that training like we were yeah. together so it's that was great for yeah. me i i would say uh just, just speaking or riffing on that is um whenever i take training 98 percent of the time i always go away i don't like being home and doing training because i want to be like you said immersed in the experience and i don't want to have to come home and like deal with regular life yeah. Um, it's really important. I find, at least for myself, I'm able to dive deeper into my experience and learning if I don't, if I'm not, you know, distracted by like everyday life. And yeah, so I used to, yeah, I, pretty much all the trainings I've done were, were not, were not at home, at least in the last like 10 years before that. I definitely did a lot of them at home. And I, I think like I, I was lucky in where I was staying in setting boundaries and having the space to myself because you could see other people in their backgrounds. There were pets and children and all sorts of where like you can't block out <laughs> all aspects of your life. So yeah, you know. one, one thing I'll say on that is like everyone's animals, like watching, uh, you know, we had a couple of people with cats and dogs who were very enthusiastic about the yoga. And so I would try not to like point it out, but I'd be like laughing hysterically as like a golden retriever, like brought a toy to you know, his owner and was like, come on, like, let's play. And she was like trying to do a forward fold. It was very cute, actually. It was very cute. 
Yeah, it was really interesting seeing everyone's like home environments and kind of yeah. getting a sense of where everyone came from and what they like what they were living with. It was it was interesting. The Zoom it worked for me, honestly, yeah. in a lot of yeah. ways. I agree, me too. Yeah. Me too. Any other reflections that you have in terms of the experience of the training? Um being online versus in person. Yeah. We haven't talked yet, so we, we, we were holding out so that we, would, we could share it with our community here. And so just curious in terms of besides the morning practice, so we did lecture, we did lecture every day and we split up this module so that uh, it was 10 days, so that five days of it was anatomy with um, our fabuloso uh, anatomy teacher, Aaron Moon, and then I did the other five days. And so knowing that Aaron teaches like anatomy, um, can be quite taxing on the brain, especially if you're not necessarily, you know, predisposed to that kind of science. And so um, I kind of countered it with, uh, we did prenatal and, and that like modifications for injuries and then a lot around inspiration. So I gave everybody like homework to go out into the world and do, you know, a set assignment of like touching the ground, like going to a place and touching the ground or calling someone and having a conversation about a word of inspiration. And, and so I wanted to kind of counter the, the heaviness of anatomy because it is quite a lot for the brain with a little bit of lightness in terms of like some fun things to do. Uh, Cause generally I'm the one who's like heavy theory on the other two modules, but this module I wanted to counter it. So I'm curious, like on zoom and the experience, like how was it for you Steph? Well, you reminded me with the inspiration when you opened with the poetry workshop, what was it? The first day part of me died inside. I was like, bless Clara for bringing poetry workshops into yoga. <laughs> so those were great. They were very, um, so yeah, we did the poetry workshop. We called a friend. We had to go outside and be in nature. We danced. Uh, so one thing in that process that it's kind of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, uh, one of the reasons I do do trainings is to meet like-minded people who share the same, a lot of my best friends are people who I met in training or at workshops or what have you. Um, so that aspect you feel disconnect from, disconnected from because we're not in the same space. And yet it forced me to be more introspective into what my process is. So instead of on like breaks, turning to people in the room and like chit chatting and getting to know each other, you're kind of forced to reflect on a lot of the things, Claire, you were bringing up or other stuff that's arising. And then in the pieces around inspiration, again, it was more of a personal development practice or mm -hmm. prompting us to reach out to other people. So instead of being a community building, it was more self-reflective, which depending on what you're looking for, I think both are great. But when you're in a physical room with people, you're not necessarily getting as much of that reflexive piece because you're in it so much during the day with people yes. and then in the evening you're, like, you're exhausted, right? Like I'm not going home and like reflecting and journaling a ton after a, a big day, but I was doing that on my own on the breaks. Great, yeah. Great. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of the anatomy with Aaron, I loved it. I like, I learned through reading and listening and, and stories. So I didn't find any of that hard. It was a little bit like awakening to see how draining it is mentally staring at a screen. Yes. Like how much energy is required to be in it with a, a computer for eight hours. I didn't 
I didn't realize I haven't had that type of a job or demand in, in years. So I was just uh, uh, <laughs> reading an article in New York Magazine about um, the fact that uh, the New York school public school system is really struggling to figure out whether or not they're going to open the schools again. And if so, how is it going to be with COVID? And one of the things uh, one of the one of the thoughts around it is that they're going to do like one or two days on and then three days off, meaning that you'll go into school for one or two days and then the next three days are going to be offline. And they're also giving the they're they're also kind of polling with the parents about whether or not to do all of it offline. And one of the repercussions that a child psychologist pediatrician was saying in this article is that the amount of screen time that these kids are having right at such a young age is actually going to produce more anxiety and depression which I thought was fascinating. I hadn't thought about that. Right. And so the fact that they, yeah. And like one of the biggest important parts about the component of school is for them to interact with other kids and to be able to move around and be together instead of being by themselves at a, you know, at a screen all day. So that's just kind of just another side of that in terms of you're saying, and somebody was talking about zoom fatigue, right. Is like, because of the world that we're living in right now, so much is happening on the screen. And so to be mindful of um, how you're doing and to like how you're physically doing when you're doing these Zoom things, uh, Zoom things being conferences or whatever school or training or what have you, to make sure to counter it by going outside and like making sure that you're having a lot of off time as well. And so that's just something that I'd love to put out to the listeners is you know, being mindful of, uh, yeah, how much screen time you're, you're um, occurring every day, because definitely the long-term effect of this, not even just for children, but I think for all of us could be depression and anxiety. And so on that note, um, during the training and afterwards, I've been more aware of how much time I spend with my computer on my phone. Mm. So I have a rule now that, uh, I don't use my computer or phone before bed. I've been reading or going for a walk or talking to somebody. So I'm not on a screen, even yes. like for entertainment, which can be hard if you want to watch something, but I'm reading more now as a result, because I'm mindful of that, that, that separation. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So Clara, for you, uh, how did you feel teaching on Zoom versus uh, teaching in a room, like as reading, reading students and connecting with us, because you're the one creating and holding the, the space. I found it, we had a check-in. So I usually always have a check-in halfway through the training. So we had a check-in on, on, on the fifth day. And I kind of asked like, how's everybody doing with this? Uh, the training itself, are we going through everything? Um, are we going through all the things that you wanted to go through, you know, like checking in, are we getting enough breaks, that kind of thing. And my own reflection of it is that I was talking about it with Erin and Erin was saying like one of her superpowers is, is the stuff that she does in person. And I feel like I feel the same. That's why I think why she and I actually work together so much is because we love being around people and a lot of what we um, do involves like interaction and connection with other people, reading the room, feeling the energy. That being said, um, so there was a part of me that was really upset around that. And I felt like sometimes I couldn't tell what was happening for people. But most of the time, I think I was pretty, I think I, I think I was reading the room pretty well. The feedback I was getting in terms of breaks and stuff like that was um, concurrent with that. Um, I would say that 
I would always prefer to be in person and I don't like, I don't know if I would do this training again online. Like, I don't think I would do this online. I just, I prefer if we're together. So I'll, I'll patiently wait until we're like, quote unquote, back to normal or something or whatever, back to the new or whatever we're calling it these days. But um, it was actually pleasantly, I was pleasantly surprised. And I, it made me think outside my own box, like in terms of like the inspiration pieces that I, we would normally all do together as a group. I had to like think of other ways of getting you guys to do it um, and for it to hopefully still be uh, fun because I feel like we need more fun right now. <laughs> we all need more fun right now. Um, so yeah, I, I liked, I liked parts of it and I didn't like other parts of it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, yeah, now I'm an online yoga teacher trainer. I'm definitely not going that way, but um, if, if we need, if we were to do a training again and it had to be online, I, I wouldn't mind as much. So, so you would do, you would do the intensives online because it's just the teaching of the yoga, but not necessarily the full mod. Yeah, like, yeah. Because teacher yoga. training is about us being together and learning from each other and like literally turning it on the brakes and saying, Hey, what's up? Like, I know I, I was trying to figure out a way to maybe keep the zoom room open so people could chat and I couldn't figure out the waiting room thing. So, cause you, there's a way that people don't have to wait in a waiting room so then they can chat together if, you know, but I, anyway, I couldn't just let you know, if you're a zoom teacher, I'd highly recommend trying to disable the waiting room uh, button so that when people arrive, they arrive in the room and then that way they can chat together like they would in real life. But I, I, I tried a couple of things and it didn't work. So, so maybe that's a good place to kind of, to close on this is what are some of your key learnings that you would share with other yogis or instructors who are doing, doing things online, some things you discovered that you would, you would give to teachers? The biggest, I think the biggest uh, piece that I would give in terms of training is be okay with the silence because you ask a question and sometimes it takes, it could take up to a minute before someone responds because I think we're all either being polite or we don't really uh, necessarily want to answer. Uh, and so one person had said in the training, you know, like maybe you should call on people, which I think is also a good idea, but I also am okay with this. Like we can, we can all just take a minute and just chew on it before someone says it because you have to hit the unmute button. So there's like an extra step before speaking, which I actually kind of like because it gives you that moment of like, do I really want to share right now? Um, so I, I appreciated that piece. So be okay with the, uh, the moment of silence and or the other piece, which is usually what people do is call on people, is call, uh, ask a question and then call on somebody. Um, the other part that, and somebody asked me this question as well, is in terms of music, how did I share the music? And there's a, in the advanced, in the advanced screen share um, option, there is a share computer sound and then, and then you can share your playlist with people. The key around that is to find the right volume and I, which I did most days in terms of the music versus my voice. But one day I played the music a little too loud and I had two people who were confused and I wasn't sure. And because you can't necessarily talk to someone directly, I could see that they were a bit confused. So I wasn't sure if they were like going through their own process or whether or not there was like a computer malfunction or if they couldn't hear me. So definitely figure out the volume situation in terms of music versus your voice would be another part. The breakout rooms are highly, I highly recommend them because it allows people to talk you can break out into however many groups in terms of how many numbers in each room. And then that allows people to actually talk to each other, which as we already know as teachers, like you, the more people speak, the more invested they are in terms of the learning because the more um, they are interacting with, with, with the content itself. 
So those would be things that I would recommend. The other thing I'd also recommend, which I did is like, I made the days a whole lot shorter. Like when we're together in person, I usually do 12 hour days. But I think on Zoom, it's like, it's just not realistic. I don't think we should be looking at a screen for 12 freaking hours. So I think I cut, I cut it down to maybe eight, if that, and like lots of breaks, because as you said, Steph, it's like, it's exhausting to look at somebody and look at the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Steph. That was yeah. awesome. And it was great to have you in the training and then be able for us to kind of download about it afterwards. Yeah. I, I was surprised by how I felt at the end. So I'm excited if you do do intensives. I like that was something I wanted to ask you for personal reasons, obviously. Yeah. Um, yes. Great. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, thank you, Clara. Thanks, Steph. And if you haven't already, uh, subscribe to the podcast. We also have a uh, community page on Facebook called the Practice with Clara Community. And uh, we post all of the podcasts on there. We also post questions and we're fairly active on there, Steph and I. And so if you have any questions, we a, com a couple have come up this week, which I really like um, for us to discuss on the podcast. We'd love to hear them. You can put it on the page. Or if you have any feedback or any um, comments or uh any insights that you got from listening to the podcast, you can post them there and we'll definitely uh, write you back. So until next week, thank, thank you. you so much. See you later. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Today's podcast was brought to you by the Practice with Clara app. That's mine. I've created almost a hundred yoga classes for you to do at home or on the go. And they're available to you on your favorite device, including mobile, desktop, and TV. These classes include vinyasa, slow flow, hatha, restorative, yin, mantra, meditation. I also just had a baby, so I created prenatal yoga for all four trimesters. So head over to clararobertsoss.com slash join to learn more. Or search for the Practice with Clara app at your favorite app store. There's a seven-day free trial, so no commitment. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We've got lots of good stuff in store for you. Until next time, namaste.